one segment. I need some help understanding. If you think you're gonna get all the truth you need to navigate a spot from Google, you're not. There's no way around digging to, to get to truth. Just so clear, it's like do not neglect the gathering of the saints with the stirring up of good works. Well, you can't just stick your head in the sand and not. How serious are you going to take the Bible? The Bible doesn't shy away from this topic. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor of our church uh, in Marietta, Georgia. We started our church uh, about six years ago. Uh, before that, I was doing student ministry. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Georgia guy. Grew up in Georgia. Been in Georgia almost my entire life. Whenever I made like an intro episode, kind of saying what this podcast is, something that came to mind to me was the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right. and uh, and specifically the part where you know, he's, he's probably, he's probably reading out loud, right. Or, or he, whatever he's reading and he's on his way to worship. And he, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I, unless somebody guides me kind of, kind of give me some of your uh, insight whenever you read that story or if you've ever taught on that story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in Acts chapter eight. I think the thing that stands out in that story is particularly what the eunuch is reading is from the book of Isaiah. And so what he, the question he asked Philip is, is the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And that I think leads us to uh, this great question in the scripture is, uh, who are we talking about? Um, and um, the reason uh, that we need a guide or someone to explain it uh, is because uh, that question is prevalent all the way throughout Scripture. So here's what we believe about the Bible. Uh, the Bible is progressive revelation. So when you start at the beginning in Genesis, you get some of who God is and some of who we are. Uh, and then the more you go through the story line, uh, the more you go through the storyline of Scripture, uh, the more you understand who God is and, uh, and the more you understand who we are. Um, and so the eunuch is in the middle of the story. Uh, and he needs someone to explain the characters and who, what the storyline is. And so um, uh, that's the same for us, right? We often read the Bible in segments and we need some help understanding how all of these pieces fit together, right? It's not an instruction manual. It's not in sequential order necessarily, like in terms of steps, like do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Uh, we don't learn about God in categories. Here's everything you need to know about God's sovereignty. We learn that through the course of the story. Um, yeah, so I think that's often why we need a God, some help is so we can see the bigger picture and how everything fits together. Hmm. Um, so kind of speak to the, the good, the bad, ugly of uh, going to Google for answers because... There are good resources. I think it's dangerous because there can be bad resources. That's right. For example, I have a headache. I go on Google and it tells me I have a brain tumor. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and and I, I freak out or right. whatever. But I go to a doctor and they say, just take some Tylenol. You'll be okay. Right. 
you know so kind of kind of speak to that uh with with the in regard to spiritual biblical christian answers yeah i mean the great thing about google is you have access to all sorts of information uh the bad thing about google is you have no idea where that information is coming from uh and anybody can be anyone on the internet uh so it makes it hard to determine what's reliable and what's not um and, and I think it's related to the previous question, right? I, I would almost use the illustration of Google Translate. Like if you've ever used Google Translate, you speak, I would speak the English language into it, uh, and then it would translate it, like say, into Spanish. And sometimes is perfect. It works. Uh, sometimes the algorithm and my speech pattern or the words that I use or the way it translate, uh, there's some misses. Uh, it doesn't quite work, but you can figure it out. Uh, and sometimes it's nowhere close. And I think that's the danger, or, or at least the possibilities when you use Google for spiritual answers, is sometimes uh, it's going to be exactly right. Uh, sometimes you're going to come on to a resource that gets some of it right, gets some of it wrong. You're going to have to do some work to figure it out. Uh, and sometimes you're going to come on to a resource or some what someone's written that um, is just a complete swing and miss, in, in part because of um, you know, perhaps they're not parking something in this bigger storyline. They're not looking at the entire Bible. Uh, they might not have an expertise in that particular subject. They're talking about a single isolated verse instead of the context, you know, outside of its context. And so you can stumble on some things where it seems right, uh, but it's not. Hmm. Let's move on to this, this idea of church hurt. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have I should say a lot of people seem to have uh, past uh, pains with church. Uh, maybe they didn't have a good experience with it. Maybe they have experienced a hypocritical pastor or hypocritical leader in the church of some kind. They might be angry towards the church because of stuff like that. In extreme cases, they may have uh, ex experienced abuse. Right. But, you know, the the bad experiences could shape their current decisions about church and whether or not they, they partake. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing up quotes. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of kind of speak to that as a pastor, what do you what do you see with that? First, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, we have here at our church for whatever reason, God's just brought. Uh, a fair number of people who are coming out of situations where they have been hurt uh, by church, people that they love and, and that they have trusted. And it's really hard to hear their stories. It's very real. Uh, people are hurt by both leaders and then other people inside churches. The Bible doesn't shy away from this topic. The Bible doesn't treat um, real hurt in relationships among God's people uh, with kid gloves. It doesn't try to cover it up. It's pretty honest. We see in the scripture uh, corrupt, terrible leaders. Uh, we see corrupt, terrible people following those leaders and um, clear examples of you know, leadership in God's people um, hurting people and examples of uh, people hurting people and people hurting leaders. Uh, and so I would think of uh, Moses, right? And so um, Moses's leadership abilities uh, are limited 
and he lets people down. Uh, and uh, the people uh, that are following him let him down. Uh, David, David is both a victim in places of the scripture of poor leadership uh, with Saul, uh, and then he is a victimizer uh, and is in the wrong and costs his people greatly because of that. We see this in the early church that uh, already uh, the church has just started. In Acts chapter 6, there's already people who are being left out uh, and marginalized, and they it has to be addressed. Uh, there are, um, uh, in almost every single one of Paul's epistles, he's bringing correction for very real wrongs happening in churches. Uh, and so the Bible doesn't shy away from this topic. And, and I think it is really honest about it in two ways, uh, that humans are incredibly fragile. We're limited in our wisdom. Uh, we're limited in our ability. We're limited in our power. We're limited often in our goodness. And then also humans are sinful and that the sin we engage in affects not just us, but the people around us. And that is a reality for church too. The good news uh, about churches is anybody's welcome. It's beautiful, right? Uh, the, often the bad news is anybody's welcome, right? And so self-righteous, pushy, difficult people are welcome just like broken, humble, needy people. And so you get that mix of people together and uh, people get hurt. Say one spouse wants to go to church and another spouse doesn't want to go to church uh, specifically because of past hurts or past issues with the church that they've experienced. How, how do believers navigate that how how does that spouse that believing spouse that goes to church but wants their uh significant other to go to with them but you know they don't want to or or whatever yeah um how wh what do we say to them yeah well first i think it is it calls for uh lots and lots of prayer uh for the believing spouse um it is praying obviously for the the heart uh, and change to happen uh, in their spouse, uh, for God to show up in a very real way and to heal what's broken in them. Um, I mean, that is uh, the heart of what we believe in, is that God himself is the one who can heal and God is the one who can change. Um, that also is a lot of prayer, I think, for their own heart, uh, for their own patience, praying for their own kindness, praying for their own uh, ability to uh, to walk with, you know, a spouse uh, who's going through a difficult situation. And then um, and then I love this formula that is from Ray Ortland. It's not really a formula, but but he talks about in their church. And I, and I think this is true. It should be true in our homes, too, um, that what we need is a gospel culture. And the way you have a gospel saturated culture is by uh, lots of the gospel uh, and lots of safety, uh, allowing people the ability to be who they are uh, without being condemned, mm -hmm. uh, and then lots of time. And I think that time piece is really important. We, um, we want to microwave everything. We want everything to be immediate. That's often not the way God works. And if someone, for instance, was in an abusive church environment for a decade, I think it's a pretty fair assumption that like two months is not going to get them out of that difficult place. 
Uh, and so we have to extend some patience and some time to other people. Pastors and, and just leaders in the church are held to a high, pretty high standard, especially from people uh, from the outside coming in or just even looking in. I honestly believe that the the more somebody's involved in the church, they see more of it. And that includes the the not so great things. And you, you realize that we're just people mm-hmm. and, and we are broken people. But it's it's not fair to expect everybody to be perfect that's right mm-hmm. however as of late and maybe it's just because i'm a little older and i i see it more now uh especially working in news <laughs> right but there seem to be a lot of reports with um pastors that are uh caught in some kind of sin mm-hmm. uh to the point where they have to step down how do how do people from the outside, you know, it's it's easy to cast judgment and say, well, obviously the whole church is just just bogus, right? I mean, how how do Christians defend against that? Um, how how would you say how, how do Christians navigate seeing these big prominent leaders, Christian leaders, in these really just bad situations? Yeah. That's a big question. It is. It is. Um, so I, I think first uh, is churches have to take responsibility for who they choose to pastor them. Uh, so First Timothy chapter three, their qualifications for elders. Uh, sometimes the Bible uses the word overseer. Sometimes the word pastor. They're all synonymous and. What's striking to me about those qualifications is they're fairly unremarkable. It's not that pastors are superhumans or they're radically different. What's required from pastors is things like self-control, not given over to drunkenness, um, uh, not being harsh or domineering. Um, All of those things are required as well of every believer of Jesus. But there is an emphasis on pastors being men of character in every area of their lives. Not perfect, hmm. um, but uh, but someone who you would say they are, or the scriptural phrase is above reproach, but there's no charge we could bring against them in terms of their character. And so, um, unfortunately, I think we've ramped up in the past couple of decades focusing on the skill set of pastors hmm. Uh, their leadership ability, uh, their communication skills, which is a requirement too. They have to be able to teach teach a scripture, uh, mm-hmm. but we've exalted that above character. And I think um, uh, that is in part why we have a lot of these headlines. And in fact, I would even say there is a sense in which churches are drawn to pastors or people are drawn to pastors who they know have poor character. It almost is... Mm. Um, like they like the domineering aspect of it as long as it's directed to someone else or they like the ranting and raving and, you know, like yeah. that's almost part of the draw. Yeah. Um, secondly, though, I, I, I think um, part of the reason pastors burn out or fall into sin is because of these incredibly high 
expectations um, that aren't gospel driven at all. Hmm. Um, that um, our churches should be a safe environment for pastors to confess sins and shortcomings. Our churches should be places where pastors have people they can go to and say, man, this is what is really going on. And I think in a lot of these headlines we see, unfortunately, that instead of that pastor being able to be honest and open and confess and get help early, it, it stays hidden, which isn't all in the church. That's on that's on the pastors as well. Hmm. Uh, but it stays hidden until it just absolutely explodes. Uh, and so we have to have people in our churches who are willing to call their pastors out, ask hard questions, be concerned for their souls, not just what they can get, you know. So I, th- I think those are some important, like, kind of preemptive steps. Uh, of course, we're well past that now, right? I mean, lots of headlines, lots of stories. Um, and again, I think part of that is just returning to the Scripture. Moses is one of the greatest leaders recorded in the Old Testament. He was disqualified from leading the people of Israel before they got into the Promised Land. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is delivering a letter to the church of Ephesus. This church has been led by, started by Paul led at different times by Apollos, one of the greatest preachers uh, in the New Testament times, Mm -hmm. Timothy, discipled by Paul, and John, an apostle, disciple of Jesus. And yet the church is not perfect, right? Like Jesus says, you've abandoned your first love. Like they've had great leaders, um, but still uh, it's broken, right? There's something is missing. And so I think we just have to have a biblical view. Like there's not a perfect church. There's not a perfect pastor. Uh, We have to be willing to admit publicly the truth. We are fragile and we are sinful. We are limited. Pastors are going to make mistakes. Um, I don't think there's any reason for us to hide that or shy away from it, uh, but to be truth tellers about what's right and wrong and then extend as much grace as we can. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's helpful, but those are just some of my thoughts. So, yeah, no, I thought that was, I thought that was great. Um, it's, it's a big question to answer. Yeah. Like I said, um, maybe can I, but, can I just add one more thing? Yeah. Understanding first that even our leaders in the church are both fragile, limited. They're not wise. They're not all knowing. They're not Jesus and sinful, they also, like every other person, have a draw or a pull to return to their sinful nature, should help us consistently, even when we're under good leaders, and even or even when we haven't found out that our church is in the headline, hmm. place our hope in Christ, in Christ alone, and not conflate a great pastor with Jesus or a poor pastor with Jesus. Hmm. The truth is um, that all of us need Jesus uh, from the greatest preacher, pastor of all time, all the way down. And and so in good, healthy churches, and our hope is never in the positive headline about someone or the negative headline. Right. Man, it's that Christ and Christ alone saves us. Yeah. He is faithful to the end, even when everyone else isn't. Right. Right. Yeah, I think... Um, it's, it's just sad when, when people do mix those things up and then they start confusing, well, what if he, everything he was saying wasn't actually true, but you can go to a good church and hear hopefully the same gospel, the, the true actual gospel. Well, but right. 
because it's the message right. that is what we are believing in. Mm-hmm. And th- this question isn't new. Mm-hmm. I mean, this question goes all the way back. Uh, all the way back, I mean, to the very beginning of the church. Mm -hmm. And what the church has consistently said is God uses incredibly broken people, even in the middle of their own sinfulness for his own glory and to do good. Mm. And, um, And that is one thing to know. It's another thing to have to walk through. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, that's why I think for people who have been hurt, who the headline wasn't about somebody else's churches, but about their own, it's important for us to recognize, man, there is serious hurt. There is, and we should expect a lack of trust that will take time to rebuild. Um, and so what, what I've found is what people in those situations need the most is just a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Um the ability to be who they are, be honest about where they are, um, and then patience from people in the church.